11 to 1. Monday Motivation. Motivation. On LMFM. The man sitting before me is nothing short of incredible. He's embarked on a multitude of intense, rigorous and sometimes dangerous adventures. From sailing down the Amazon River, to hiking Kilimanjaro, to circumnavigating the Unai Desert in Bolivia, this man has achieved incredible feats, some of which have seen him fleeing murderous gorillas, crocodiles and witch doctors. But through all of his adventures, he's been accompanied by a peculiar companion, a seventh stone bathtub affectionately known as Sheila. He's known as the hobo on a mission, the adventurer, the dub in the tub. Rob Dowling from Donabate is with us for Monday Motivation. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you for having me on. No, it's absolutely our pleasure. Now, you are just home 48 hours yeah. from Bolivia. Tell us what you've been up to. Well, um, having circumnavigated the salt plant desert to be the first human to do it or even try it, um, I thought my my task was over then, you know, but I, I walked from the desert onto a kind of revolution in Bolivia, which um, seen me being smuggled in a taxi to the airport. A two-hour journey took 15 hours over the mountains, so that was quite um, exciting and scary at times as well, you know. So I'd like to start off by saying to the people of Bolivia, I, I wish them very well and beautiful people and I hope things get sorted out in time. But I'm glad to be back in Ireland and safe and back in Donabade and uh, just trying to get over the jet lag. Yes, and you know, I thought the hill at the bottom of the road there where you walking up was going to be hard for you, but this is what you've been doing. But take me back to the start of all of this because your life was set on course when you had a reoccurring dream when you were in your 20s, I believe, was it? Yeah, it was a kind of unusual conversation at 21, 22, and I was asked what did I want to do before I die. And um, I kind of thought to myself, that's a, you know, a strange question. But however, I closed my eyes and I had this mental image was standing on the bathtub on the Amazon River. So, um, fast forward, I lived in Africa and Israel. I've always travelled, always done um, unusual things, I guess, you know. But um, when the, the um, life-changing event happened and um, I got divorced and the home was gone, everything I worked for was um, sort of disintegrated before my eyes over a period of time. After that, I kept getting recurring dreams of a bathtub uh, for about eight, nine months. And... Um, I just knew that I, I had to go to the Amazon River and search for the bathtub. So you, you, your marriage breaks down. Mm-hmm. Everything that was, you know, yeah. like that you knew the, in your life was the holy grail. Yeah, yeah, yeah and there was. I know there was no third parties involved no, or anything no, no, like no. that. But you, what does that do to a person? You know, <laughs> it brings you a place of reflection and takes you down to your knees, I guess. You know, but um, you, you could just stay down there, or you can. Um, sort of fight back and, and rise back up again and uh, I, I did that I was I was lucky that um, my dreams all my life have shown me things um, which have helped me so I didn't understand why the bathtub would help me but it gave me something to focus on so I found myself about a month later I was walking potato at the time for 15, 16 years you know and um, I found myself in the Amazon River looking for a bathtub and everyone laughed at me you know, and they said well we don't have them here you know and I said no there's one here somewhere I was just in a in an intuitive feeling that um, the tub was here somewhere you know why travel halfway across the world so lo and behold in three weeks later I found one the only one in Makitas and um, then I put together a project for um, uh, a character's um, orphanage out in Peru and met the children out there and um, a centre here in Dublin to have a balance and um 
three months later, I was going down the river in the bathtub on my own, thinking I was a little bit crazy, but, you know, went with the flow. <laughs> so went with the flow, exactly. Or should so, I say the current? <laughs> the current. So you find this bathtub, yeah. and uh, we're going to get to why you call the bathtub okay, Sheila very, sure. very shortly, but tell me about the children that you met in Peru, because there was one child in particular that really you bonded with quite a bit. Yeah, um, when the challenge was finished, um, a little bit of Bobby, we'll get to that in a moment, but uh, from Colombia, went back to Ireland and I came back a year later searching for the bath. And um, the characters, the organisation I raised money for, um, invited me on a field trip to um, a village about four hours outside of Iquitos, where no tourists go, you know. And my last day there, I was asked, do you want to see Jasmine? And I said, well, who's that? And I said, well, it's a girl we're taking care of. And I said, okay, fine. And I went round to her hut and... Uh, she was lying on the ground, <clears throat> paralyzed, and um, my life changed. I just don't know what happened, but I just—it was a poignant moment of the meeting between us. And then I raised money for her, and it was inconclusive what was wrong, and uh, raised more money, and uh, we took her to um, specialized clinic in Iquitos to get her ready for the flight. And from there, we took her to Lima, and from there, we took care of her. And the organization that I've been working with, people of Peru, amazing people. Uh, Paul up took over when I left off um, two years later. So she is my inspiration. Um, unfortunately, Jasmine died Christmas Day, uh, several years back. And um, but I, I kind of made a promise to her that I would um, build a medical center and establish something in Iquitos in time through the medium of the bathtub in her honor. And my one of my goals is to keep her memory alive and let the people know that she wasn't just a um, statistic in a small village in the middle of nowhere. She was a human being and um, that's my mission as well. And this is why you do all these incredible yeah. things. Yeah. So so take me back then to the Amazon River mm-hmm. and the bathtub which you rig up, I suppose, yeah. like a boat. Yeah, well I had to put um, drums inside for stability. Um, I'm an ex-member of Soul Sailing Club. I've done some maritimes for charities so I, I know about the water and sailing and all that, you know. So um, this had to be right because on your own on Amazon River you wouldn't see the far side of it. It's that wide, you know. And it's pretty horrific and a lot of uh, debris floating around with the logs being cut from the forest and so forth. So you had to have something that was strong that could survive the currents, you know. So yeah, a lot so, of thought went into it. So you rig it up and mm-hmm. you set off. Were people there to kind of set you off or well, did you do this completely solo? Absolutely. There were people there, but they weren't trying to set me off. They were trying to stop me going on the water. <laughs> <laughs> and we're talking locals who spent their life on Amazon. He said, please don't go down further. You will die. And I said, no, I won't die. And I had to follow that intuitive feeling inside as it guided me most of my life and just go with, go with that, irrespective of the circumstances, things went wrong, you know. As my mum said when I got back home, Robin never told her to see you alive again, you know, and that was so sweet of her, you know. She still let me go without giving too much pressure to stop, you know. Mm. However, on her deathbed four years ago, she did say to me, Rob, make me a promise. What, Mum? She said, when you find the bath, cut it up, you know. <laughs> yes, because we ha- the bath has been in an awful lot of adventures. So you yeah. go down the Amazon mm-hmm. River and you're, you know dealt with not only things lurking in the water, but you're dealt with sort of, you know, the current and the horrific conditions yeah. there. Yeah. How did you keep yourself going and how long did the actual journey take you? Um, the first stage of journey to Colombia and Brazil was um, just short of three weeks. So I, I covered about, I think, five, six hundred kilometres. It, um, it may not seem much of even a car, but going um, just above speed of the water in order to steer it about my max, you know. So... Um, 
the, the animals I weren't afraid of. Um, I was afraid of um, microscopic creatures that get into your system and all of that, of course, you know, and getting sick. Mosquitoes, of course. And uh, But my fear was basically um, people um, outside of the established zones, you know. I had a letter from the top person in, in the Loreto province in Peru giving myself contact, safe contact. However, when people can't read a letter, you know, they don't know what's going on. And mm. uh, you've got your supplies, you've got your equipment and gear and all that kind of stuff. And it's a lot of money's worth of gear. And it's a life-changing for them. So, you know, if something being stolen on me, um, a pangle over the back of the, the neck was a constant worry in my tent at night time, being on my own. And I was highly visible on the water, coming off every night. And um, I was kind of, could have been a target, you know. But uh, I must say, on reflection, looking back at it all, the, the majority of the people were so wonderful and, and so helped me along each stage that, uh, you know, I've, I've fallen in love with Peru and its people of the river and especially the children, of course, you know, that I'm here to help. Now, you receive a ransom message at one point because the bath does yeah. get taken. How does the bath get taken from you? Well, the, the Brazilian government, Navy wouldn't allow me down any further and um, they said to you, you can't go and I said look I, I need to it's a project the longer I'm on the water the more money I can raise and they said well no because um, you would probably be killed down the river and uh, we'll never get your remains back to Prana I get them all no one will um, sort of show the body because they'd be held responsible for it so um, you know these words rang in my ear but um, I went out my answer to all that was being stuck in a place called Tapatango on the border between Colombia and Brazil was to go out and buy an outboard engine um, for a great deal of money, put it on the back of the bath, equip up and move forward. And that night, just before I was going to go to get past some naval um, checkpoint, um, a woman said to me, I got friendly with there, and she said, please don't go down any further. I said, why? And she said, there's a bullet with your name on it. And I said, why? She said, well, look at what you have, what you're carrying. You've got $10,000 worth of equipment here. They will kill you for that. So I... I told about it for the night the next morning I said okay I'd make connections there when I was stuck there and uh, I donated the engine and all my supplies and everything to um, a local orphanage and I told someone mind my bath I'm going back to Ireland I need time among my own to recover and uh, I'll be back a year later I came back and he had sold a bath for $10 and they started a search eight years to find it and indeed it was ransomed and uh, they wanted a million pesos for it. I didn't have it. This was uh, one of my trips back every two years. But as it went back every two years, I had the money saved up. I got more involved with the children in the Quitos and raising money for them. And um, in that period, other dreams showed me the other challenges I had to do with the bathtub. Of course, the bathtub was the key. I needed to get it back. And uh, in 2015... I left my job, I sold everything, sold my pension short, raised $40,000 and went back to Colombia with ward posters for $1,000 up and down the waterfront. They knew me well there over the years and he said, you won't get it back. And I said, I will. Within a month, I had it back. Yeah. That is just, I'm just absolutely, oh, it was in bits. I'm speechless here because you just have such drive, yeah. you have such determination and it's all I, for these children. Yeah, I, I put the bath on the back of a speedboat, brought it back down the river into Akitos and then everything went haywire. I was held up there and I'm saying, this is getting on the shoe of the woman now, you know, mm. why the bath is named. I said, Lord, why do you keep me here in Akitos? I need to get back to Ireland because I've just booked a ticket for Kilimanjaro for my 
second challenge, you know. And um, I needed time back to design a week for the bath and so forth and train. And uh, next thing I'm, I'm in uh, the Karma Cafe, would you believe the universal sense of humor? I'm sitting there <laughs> and a woman walks past me called Sheila. And I went into meltdown before I even looked at her. My whole, I started to shake and hyperventilate. I'm thinking, what's going on here, you know? So I walked out to the sidewalk and the manager came out. He said, are you okay, Bob? I said, no, I'm not. I said, who is that woman? That's Sheila. She's a shamanic teacher. She comes in from the jungle once a month to buy supplies. Why? I said, well, look, I'm going to fall in love with her. And he looked at me, you know, went back inside. And uh, our lady should call me over. You want to join me for a drink? And uh, I, we were, had a month, four weeks together, most time I could give. And before I needed to get back to Ireland for my next challenge, and uh, I asked her, could I name the bathtub in her honour? And uh, she said yes. So that's where Sheila comes in. And do you continue a long-distance sort of affair with her, do you? Yeah, she'd been very ill for three years, um... Um, a disease that mimics Parkinson's and MS and uh, she was debilitated for a long time I went over to her 18 months ago to see her but um, she was too sick so I camped about a mile from her and um, <clears throat> a week before I got on the desert in Uri, I got news from her that she's fully recovered that's fantastic that is a miracle yeah. that really and really that is news kept me going around that desert I couldn't believe it because I was prepared for her to die and she hasn't and I had a feeling deep inside that she wouldn't, but, you know, the man in the mind takes over and you think, well, worst case scenario, you know, and prepare yourself. So um, I hope next year I can get back out to her. She lives in America and just a matter of saving up the finances and uh, allow her to get her life back to normality after such a treatment protocol that lasted for three years. Yeah, and that that's incredible that yeah. she has that you know determination of spirit as well. Oh, she's clearly, amazing. yeah, she's she's incredible, you know. But um, you know, one incredible spirit likes to meet with another incredible spirit. You know, absolutely, and this is harmony. what happens. Yeah. And in the bathtub, you have her image and you have Jasmine's yeah. image, and I yeah. love that it's these two women that yeah. you look at when you're yeah. doing these incredible challenges. Yeah, well, you know, I, I would say to myself, no top, no Sheila, no project, you know. And uh, obviously, you go through um, you go through mental, you go through intellectual analyzing of what's going on day by day, hour by hour. But really, everything I do is a trilogy, which consists of mind, body, and soul. Essentially, the spiritual element. When you bring that into it, you're connecting with something far deeper, far more profound within you that can bring you through whatever life throws at you, including the mountain with seven stone on your back. You know, I was in Kilimanjaro for two months. For the first month, they wouldn't allow me on it. They said, it's impossible. You will die on the mountain. I said, no, I won't. I, I have to do this. So eventually they capitulated and allowed me on the mountain. And um, Lord and behold, I got there. And I was just as surprised as everyone else. <laughs> well, I'm not surprised talking to you, you know. But what do you learn from yourself when you go through these unbelievably incredible feats of the human mind yeah. and body? Well, and, and, and spiritual, of course. What, every time you go through something, no matter what it is in life, you know, you have the ability to become stronger, become weaker. So I elected to become stronger, uh, and, but that took a lot of going inside myself very deep, you know, and uh, it's always challenging to do that in life, you know, because um, I, I sometimes feel that people in general are more fearful of the, the light that's in them than the dark that's in them, you know, and uh, that was a transition for me over many years and many challenges, you know. 
So I'm in a position now that I, I listen first and foremost to my heart, and the heart will always whisper. The ego intellect will shout and scream and dictate to you, you know. And it's just finding that space between the head and the heart, and uh, I think I'm there now, you know, after many years of um, challenges and so forth. And I want to stay there. <laughs> and stay you will. Now, you know, if you could go back in time, and let's um, face it, you've yeah. done some pretty incredible things, so I wouldn't be surprised if you could actually time travel. But <laughs> if you could go back to young Robert of about 10 years old and impart some advice to him to prepare him for the life that you're about to lead, what would you um, tell young Rob? Well, first and foremost, I'd say 10, my birthday at 10 was always been special to me. So coming here on the train, I kept thinking, what I tell myself at 10 years of age? And you say 10 years of age, it's a, the collective... Um, we're we're connected, yeah, Rob, I absolutely, like it. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> so I, I probably would say to myself that see the sunset as a beginning and not as an end. Um, because I, I'm a cancer sign, I hold on to things, you know, emotional and all that kind of stuff, you know, and people. So, see, yeah, see the sunset uh, as a new beginning, but you have to say goodbye in order to say hello. It's it's a process, you know. Um, if I could understand that 10 years of age, I'm not sure if I could have, but that's what I would say to myself. Yeah. I'm going to take that with me. I love that image. That's a really, yeah, really powerful image. Thank image, you yeah. so much for that. You're welcome. Now, you have a journal that mm. you want to get published and you're putting a shout out on 11 well, to 1 show today. Tell yeah. me about this. Well, yeah, I, I was sort of, um, I felt compelled to keep a record of all that I've done and uh, since 13 years now. So I've been writing a journal and it just needs to be kicked into shape. Obviously, I, I'm not an author, but I am a adventurer. But I have kept notes of everything that I've done and emotions and uh, situations of people that I've come across, you know, including the twice that the bar's been taken on me twice been returned on me and all that I've gone through in between there which is quite a lot you know So you're looking for somebody if there's any budding writers or any publishers or any yeah. authors out there yeah. get in touch with get this man he has an incredible story yeah. to tell we've only touched on some of it <laughs> but listen I could speak to you all day you're amazing you okay, really really you. are thank you so so much for joining My me pleasure. today and for being our Monday Motivation Okay thanks Sinead 11 to 1 on LMFM with Gilmore's Kings Court 201 sales event Thursday 14th to Tuesday 19th Sunday inclusive test drive our new Mercedes-Benz models get your 201 event quotation plus see the largest selection of used Mercedes-Benz cars in the northeast Gilmore's Mercedes-Benz Kings Court 201 sales event better is closer than you think LMFM